ESPN Sports Radio 1392.5. Now for something completely different. We're going to bring, bring it all together. Because that's the bottom line. Bottom line. Bottom line. ESPN Radio 1392.5. You are listening live. It's the bottom line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Thank you for joining us here on this blessed Sunday morning. As always, we appreciate your listenership. Hey, Miss Judy, take your meds this morning, okay? Come on, help me out now. Hey, welcome to all of you new listeners who are joining us this week after we appeared on the John Clay podcast this week. He was very nice and, uh, as always, very uh, you know kind to give us uh, a spot on his podcast this week. And we appreciate him, as always, for having us on and giving us some good publicity. So we welcome you new listeners uh, from that podcast that are coming over here now. And uh, we just have one question for you. Where you been? We've been picking winners on this show since July. Well, it's never too late, and there's still plenty of room on this bandwagon. So welcome, everyone, to The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor. Call us, 859-381-1313. You can email the show anytime, bottomlinelex at gmail.com. And make sure to join us on Twitter by following us at Bottom Line Lex. On today's show, our official Bottom Line SEC tournament countdown is now down to 31 days. Sponsorship still available. Of course, it's Super Bowl Sunday, and Kansas City will be playing Tampa Bay for the NFL Championship today. We'll have our thoughts on the game, side, total, props, you name it. We got it for everything you need to know from a handicapping perspective, on the biggest game in the history of the world. Our Bracketology 101 class continues this week, and on this week's syllabus, we have a round in the NCAA tournament where it actually pays off to take the favorites. Oh, who knew? We will investigate that. Some hot stove baseball news actually uh, lit up the uh, headlines this week, and the Reds Nation uh, won't be happy with either one of the headlines we have. And, of course, our Mac Daddy Stogie picks, focusing on... The hot dog eating championship in uh, on July 4th. Of course not. We're talking about the Super Bowl. Mac Daddy Stogie picks the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio. All that and much, much more coming up this morning on Lexington's fastest growing sports talk radio show. But first, Kenny Rogers. You guys remember him, right? Back in the 70s and 80s, Kenny Rogers, before all the facelifts. He was a pretty big deal. I looked up his bio. It said he released 80 albums. 80. That's a lot of songs and a lot of money grabs trying to get the money for the people. That number is ironic because my mother listened to his greatest hits album exactly 80 million times when I was a kid. Or so it seemed anyway. Well, that in Saturday Night Fever. But that's another story altogether. Kenny Rogers' most famous song, or up there is his most famous song. You could debate it. It's called The Gambler, which fits this show just perfectly. And a memorable line from that song goes, You gotta know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, and know when to run. That goes for many things in life. Timing is everything. And there comes a time in every man's life when the best thing you can do is just get up and walk away. Equate that to the Kentucky basketball team this year. As yet again, last night, they couldn't finish the deal as Tennessee defeated the Cats 82-71 right across the street here at Rupp Arena. 
In a game, Kentucky had every chance to win early, but once again, lost down the stretch. Kentucky now 5-12 and 12 on the season. 5-12. and 12. Just say that out loud for a minute. Kentucky basketball, 5 wins, 12 losses. By record, this is the worst team in the history of the school. And every game that you watch, lather, rinse, repeat. And the Big Blue Nation has to be frustrated seeing the same scenario every single game. Losing a winnable game down the stretch. But by now, Big Blue Nation has to be used to seeing it every single night. But hey, Kentucky was up 10 with 11 minutes to go. This team, as cliche as it sounds, they don't play complete games. Even with an 8-point halftime lead, Kentucky seemed as if they should have been ahead by more than 8. And as usual, when you miss out on opportunities to put a team away early, then more often than not, that team comes back to bite you and right in the butt later on. And Kentucky lost the second half by a score of 48-29. to So what happened? What, what's wrong with this team? Keon Brooks played well. And Tennessee did something that you wouldn't expect from a team coached by Rick Barnes, of all people. They actually made an adjustment. Hey, if Keon Brooks is killing us, let's double-team him every time he gets the ball and see if we can actually change things up since we're getting beat. What a novel concept for someone like Rick Barnes. But it's definitely a novel concept this year, especially for a guy like John Calipari. In-game adjustments. Amazing. Who would have thought? And believe me, when you get out-coached by Rick Barnes... You've gotten a roll of stance and mailed it in. And that says it all. But what else says it all is Rick Barnes has now won six of his last nine, very nice, against Calipari, and three of the last four in Rupp Arena. That's a fact that John Calipari does not want to remind himself of very much, and he does not want us to say that very much because it's embarrassing. No other Tennessee coach has ever won more than one game at Rupp Arena and Rick Barnes now has three of his last four. The times, they are changing. Down the stretch, the game, as usual, with Kentucky, was settled by freshmen. But this time, Tennessee had the better group of freshmen. How many times have you been able to say that in the last 11 years? That another team had a better group of freshmen than the Cats. But it happened last night. Tennessee beat Kentucky at their own game. And speaking of those freshmen, the latest ESPN NBA mock draft has three Kentucky freshmen alleged to be drafted in next year's draft. Well, I guess it's this year's draft, but this summer. The highest-rated prospect who's protect, who projected to finish in the 15th in the draft is Isaiah Jackson. Fair enough. He and Keon Brooks have been statistically the best players on the team this season. But Brooks hasn't even played in 50% of the games. But Jackson only played 12 games last night. Why is that? Why would you want to sit down your projected first-round lottery pick and play him only 12 minutes? After the game, Calipari said, Jackson wasn't getting the ball and Brooks was. Well, that's great, Coach. But the numbers say Jackson was pretty darn good last night for the limited time he got. He was 2 of 2 shooting in 12 minutes. Is that all you have to do? Just put up shots even if you miss them? That's the B.J. Boston mentality right there. 
You want to sit the best player by efficiency rating that you have on the team and a guy who's a lottery pick just because he's not shooting enough? But that gets back to the refrain from the entire season. Calipari doesn't know who to play and when to play them. And yes, he's a Hall of Fame coach, but this season has not been one to put on his coaching video. But the bottom line, no pun intended, Isaiah Jackson should not be eighth on the team in minutes played in any game, regardless of circumstance. B.J. Boston, he went two for nine for the field, but as always, Boston was one of the worst-rated players on the floor and still got 26 minutes. There's no consistency in the players, and there's no consistency in Calipari's lineups because they change by the minute based on flawed logic. And what happened when Calipari told us that last summer all he did was watch the NBA during during the COVID quarantine and now wants to utilize the three-pointer more? Well, first of all, you need guys who could actually shoot them. Last night, Kentucky went 4 of 17 from three-point land and is now 306th in America in three-point percentage. And they're 327th in the nation in number of three-point shots compared to their overall field goal attempts. In other words, this team can't shoot threes, and they don't shoot enough threes either. Dante Allen can shoot them. Davion Mintz kind of can shoot them. Everybody else is a disaster. And when your NBA first-rounder, B.J. Boston, is 11 of 55 from three-point range, that's 20%, you get what you deserve. Of all people last night, good old Dick Vitale. How old is he now? He's got to be up there, especially after those pictures he took a couple of weeks ago from a horrible angle. But he actually made a decent point last night during one of those rants when the announcers are on the screen alongside during the game. When did that become a thing, by the way? When did they put the announcers on the screen during the game? I, I, I digress. But Vitale said Kentucky has the bigs to win, but they don't have the backcourt to win. And that's basically what it is. They have no consistent perimeter shooting that can be counted on on a regular basis. End of story. And of course, that doesn't even mention Kentucky's other celebrated freshman, Terrence Clark. You remember him, right? Has been around for a while. Earlier this week, Calipari threw Clark under the proverbial bus, saying how he's been injured for five weeks and wondering why he's not playing. Of course, Cal backpedaled from that statement quicker than Lance Armstrong on EPO the next day. But the truth is the truth. Do you think Clark plays another minute for Kentucky? I'll be shocked if he does. So I hope he got a lot out of those seven games he played this season on his way to the NBA. Of the 11 players that have played this season, Terrence Clark has has been the least efficient of them all. Six months ago, Terrence Clark was a first-round pick in the NBA draft, at least projected to be. Now ESPN says he's a mid-second-round pick at best after those impressive seven games here at Kentucky. And before he was injured, Calipari declared that Clark was now officially the point guard and Askew and Mintz, well, they would have to find a different role on this team. If that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about how things have gone for this team this season, nothing will. But after Cal threw up and threw him under the bus last week, do you really think Clark is now begging to come back for this team? Do you think he's doing everything he can to get back on the court? And does Calipari even want him to come back? Doubtful on both ends. But in regards to the freshman, this is the question I always throw out there, especially in football. 
With all these five-star players Cal gets, how do they not win more? There are these highly rated recruits. They should be the best. Why don't they win more here in Kentucky? And who gives out these stars anyway? That's always been my question. Who's the guy who says this guy's a five-star and that guy's a four-star? Well, our friend Jeff Drummond, who has given out these stars before, has told us it's a lot more advanced these days than uh, just you know some guy sitting in his basement like it used to be. But the star rating isn't exactly an objective process. It's totally subjective. Kind of like it's all about who you are in life. Can you pass the eye test? Things like that. But the yelling from the Big Blue Nation doesn't pass, doesn't stop, a, you know, who has five stars and who has four stars. Calipari needs to be farred. Not fired, but farred. That's how the Big Blue Nation says it. And some of the Big Blue Nation say this team gets what it deserves because they knelt for the national anthem. Well, all that's just crazy talk. This team simply just isn't very good. And the freshmen aren't nearly as good as they were advertised. That's what's wrong with this team. It's simple. That and the fact that the coach doesn't really know who to play and when to play them. So now what? Kentucky's 5-12. and 12, A team that has lost six of their last seven. Who saw that one coming? This team will now likely go down in history as the worst team in the history of the school. With what's coming up in the world right now, with what's been going on, this town, this community could have really benefited from a good year from its favorite sports franchise, using the term franchise very loosely, Kentucky basketball. What they got was a disaster, just making everybody turn to other forms of entertainment, because I can promise you, people are changing channels off these games now. This was a preseason top 10 team of the AP poll. By the way, there's only one other team that was ranked in the preseason top 10 AP poll. That is currently not ranked, along with Kentucky. It's Duke, of all people. What strange bedfellows those two make. Then again, Coach K was trying to pull an Ohio State football to get to the tournament without playing a full schedule of games, but that's another story. But quite possibly the most telling statistic, and one I can assure you that you won't hear anywhere else in this town, is what the desert thinks about this team. The desert doesn't make mistakes as much as some touts might like you to think otherwise on those overnight infomercials back in the day on the old USA Network to get you to call their 1-900 numbers for $50 a call to get those guaranteed winners when they won 8 out of 7 picks last week. Yeah, that's right. They said they won 8 out of 7 picks last week. Yes, and some people fell for that junk. That was great television, by the way. I love those overnight infomercials. That's another story for another day. We'll talk about those in the summer. Love those shows. The most telling stat about this Kentucky team is that they've now been an underdog more times this season than they've been favored to win. Kentucky's been an underdog nine times this season. They've been favored eight times. In fact, Kentucky has been an underdog three straight SEC games now. We do a lot of research on this show, but it would take a long time for us to figure out when the last time that happened was. So the Desert say Kentucky should be 9-8 and eight right now. So in reality, Kentucky has only lost four more games out in the Desert than the Desert decreed that they should lose. In other words, the Desert now also sees this team for what it is, a disappointment that is just playing out the string. 
Not only is Kentucky 5 and 12 on the season, straight up in the real world, they're also 5 and 12 out in the desert covering spreads. So no matter how you look at this Kentucky basketball season, it has been a disaster for both your psyche and your wallet. The wallet being more important in most cases. So what does this team do now? Kentucky currently has seven games remaining on their schedule. Ken Pomeroy now has Kentucky 58th in his ratings and projects Kentucky to finish 9-15. and So much for canceling that game against Texas last week, huh? If Kentucky doesn't make the NCAA tournament, and don't even waste your time asking Joe Lenardi if they're going to make the tournament or not, he'll just laugh at you and just tell you to get lost, my friend. Barring a miracle, Kentucky won't even qualify for the NIT or the CIT or the CBI or any other tournament that's been used in the past just to cash a paycheck in March. And even if Kentucky is invited to one of those fringe tournaments for a money grab, would Calipari even accept that invitation? Why should he? Do you think these players want to keep playing? Doesn't feel like it. Doesn't look like it. So barring a miracle, this Kentucky season will end when they walk off the court a loser at the SEC tournament, which according to our official bottom line SEC tournament countdown, sponsorship still available, begins in 31 days. But is there hope for this team? After that game last night, Calipari said, we're close. Close to what? The end of the season? And Calipari also says he hasn't given up on this team. Well, I think he's in the minority among the Big Blue Nation, among people who have given up on this team or not. But has this team given up on him? This looks like a team that plays that Friday 1 o'clock game in the SEC tournament against the number one seed and just plays out the string, knowing their destiny already in advance, and just goes home while the opponent marches on as expected. Which is the role Kentucky has filled so many times over the year, but they might have to look themselves in the mirror at the SEC tournament. It's the most disappointing team in program history. The other bad teams were kind of expected to be bad before the year started. This team was expected by Big Blue Nation to compete for a national championship. So let's forget the past for now and let's look at this week's games from a handicapping perspective. Two home games for Kentucky this week. A time to get well? A time to cover some spreads? Uh, We'll see. Tuesday night, Arkansas comes to town. Arkansas 14-5, 25th in the Ken Pomeroy ratings right now. Eric Musselman, a verified crazy man, hasn't exactly been cashing tickets out in the desert during his times at Arkansas, although he had a few runs at Nevada before he came to Arkansas. Overall against the spread in his days at Arkansas, Eric Musselman, the coach, 21-23 and against the spread. And when he's a uh, road team in SEC games, Six and eight against the spread. So he's not cashing many tickets. Then again, as we have detailed on the show, Calipari just kills you out in the desert pretty much in the regular season in any way, shape, or form. Overall, spread record for Calipari while at Kentucky, 47.9%. And when he's at home in the SEC, like he was last night, 49.5%. Ken Pomeroy says Kentucky wins this game 70-69. to It's a one-point margin. This game should be a one-possession game and the line out in the desert, too. So it'll basically be picking the winner. Do you trust your hard-earned money on Kentucky and Calipari right now 
even in a game against Arkansas at home in Lexington? Uh huh. Buyer beware. And then next Saturday, Bruce Pearl and Auburn comes to town. Since defeating Kentucky on January 16th, Auburn has now lost four of their last six. Not exactly a good reflection upon the Cats, including Auburn has lost their last three in a row. What happened? Well, we might find a little bit more about that this week. But another guy who does not cash tickets in the, tickets in the desert very well, Bruce Pearl. In his days at Auburn, overall, against the spread, 45.2%. And when he's a road team in the SEC, Bruce Pearl, 27-32 and 32 against the number, 45.8%. So Kentucky, facing two teams this week, and their coaches in these games have not covered spreads at a very good rate. Is it an opportunity for Kentucky? If Kentucky's going to get well, this is the week to do so. Two home games versus teams that don't perform well out in the desert. And Kentucky should be a small favorite in both those games. That Arkansas game will be very close to a toss-up. If there's ever a week for Kentucky to be backed out in the desert, this might be it. Especially if the desert thieves these games close to toss-ups, which we think they will. So at 5-12... and 12, the Big Blue Nation has to be deflated, as it's been uh, as deflated as they've been since the Billy G era, or even the end of the Eddie Sutton, Sutton Kentucky shame era. But after watching this team almost three months now, it's time for the Big Blue Nation to figure out if they want to keep investing their time in a team that has broken their hearts on a consistent basis. In other words, as Kenny Rogers used to say, "You got to know when to hold them." No one to fold them, and no one to walk away. In our opinion, the time to simply get up, walk away, and give up on this team making the NCAA tournament is here. And in fact, it's been here for a while now. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1,392.5, the bottom line with Brad Taylor. Coming up after the break, we'll get to the rest of the world in college basketball. And of course, we know you're waiting on it. Our Super Bowl props, our Super Bowl angles, everything you need to know about the big game today. But first, one of my favorite days of the year, as I've said on this show many times, February 15th. Why? Valentine's Day is over, and I don't have to look at all those hearts anymore. But, you guys out there, I know you have to get something for your significant other this Valentine's Day. By the way, it's a week from today, so you got a week to go. So if you're looking for something, make sure to check out our friends at St. John and Myers Jewelry. And they're the best in the business at offering high-class jewelry in Central Kentucky. Our good friend Lewis and all the staff out there at St. John and Myers, the perfect place to get your significant other what he or she deserves is Valentine's Day. You can find them at 198 Moore Drive. And if you go to their website right now, stjohnandmyers.com, that's stjohnandmyers.com, you can enter their contest. They're having a big Valentine's giveaway You'll get chocolate, flowers. You'll get uh, jewelry in the. You'll get uh, offers of jewelry in the store. A night at the DoubleTree Inn uh, down the road. You get a whole big Valentine's Day spectacular. So make sure to sign up stjohnandmyers.com, and you can get that in the drawing for this big Valentine's Day giveaway they're having. And of course, as always, make sure to tell them that the bottom line sent you. More college basketball and then the Super Bowl coming up right here on ESPN Radio, thirteen hundred. ESPN Radio, 1,392.5. That cocaine's a hell of a drug, I hear. The bottom line with Brad Taylor, thank you for listening here on this blessed Sunday morning. 
As always, we appreciate it. Elsewhere in college basketball, a game that we picked live on this show last week and in our uh, Big Blue uh, Handicap preview yesterday on the uh, social media, unranked uh, unranked USC beat number 21 UCLA 66-48 late Saturday night. But it was not an upset as the Trojans were small favorites in that game. I guess the uh, desert saw what we saw too. The only other ranked team to lose uh, to an unranked team yesterday, we didn't have this one, number six, Texas. They lost 75-67 to Oklahoma State in double overtime. Interesting thing about that game, that game went two overtimes, still went under the number, if you know what I mean. So yeah, big day of college basketball yesterday, especially if you're looking for the uh, the unranked traps, as we are specialty of. We have been 10-0 and uh, in our last three weeks of that. There's still un- three undefeated teams. Gonzaga, Baylor, and Drake. Drake? Who's Drake? Where's Drake? Not the guy who looked terrible in warm-ups at Big Blue Madness a few years ago. Drake of the Missouri Valley Conference. Crazy thing about Drake, it's not even the, they're not even the best team in their own conference, and we'll tell you how and why coming up in our unranked traps in just a minute. By the way, Drake has played three games since our show last week when we told you that Drake was 13-0 against the spread this time last week. However, they've played three games since then. They went 1-2 this week against the spread, so now they're 14-2 now. Uh-huh. Hmm. Just like we said last week, when you see a team jump out to a big streak against the point spread out in the desert, you the kickback is coming, I can promise you. So it's a good time to fade them, just like uh, GameStop a couple of weeks ago. Once the public knows about it, it's too late. And it's the goal of all these teams to be 50% against the spread from our friends in the desert. They want to see every team finish 50%. Yes. So when you team with, see a team at 13-0 against the spread, fade them the rest of the way blindly, I like your chances to make some money. But if you're looking for a team to fade in the tournament, the NCAA tournament coming up, and we're about to have our uh, bracketology uh, exam coming up in just a second, a team that you might want to fade in the tournament, headed for an early upset, look at Iowa. The analytics people love Iowa, and, and rightly so. Their games are very entertaining. They put up a lot of points. They also give up a lot of points. They're first in America in offensive efficiency, but 130th in defense. That will not last in the tournament. It might last a game or two, but it won't last long term. And when Iowa loses this year, they've lost five games they lose, they give up a lot of points when they lose. 80, 81, 89, 99, and 102. So when they lose, it's a car crash that everybody just wants to slow down and look at before they speed ahead. Joe Lenardi currently has Iowa as a number three seed, but if you're looking for that first round upset and certainly a team to fade against the spread out in the desert in that first round, Iowa shaping up to be one of those teams, if they get a matchup, between the slow-tempo defensive Davids trying to use five smooth stones to take out take down Big Goliath, Iowa's a team we like to maybe fade early in this tournament and a team we don't see make, get, getting to where they're supposed to, Sweet 16, Elite 8, something like that. But another undefeated week in our unranked traps where we picked unranked teams to beat the, the ranked teams or the lower-ranked teams to defeat the higher-ranked teams. We're 10-0 in those picks in the last three weeks both straight up and against the spread. So yet again, if you like winners, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Bottom Line Lex. And if you enjoy losing tickets, just ignore us and you'll be uh, just like you always were. And if you don't believe our record, just go to our uh, website, WLXG.com. 
listen to our podcasts of the podcasts of this show, and you'll hear for yourself the streak we're on in college basketball. So this week's unranked traps. Get your pen, get your pad out. Thursday night, number twenty-three Purdue heads to Minnesota. We actually had this game a few weeks ago. Minnesota was ranked. They went to Purdue. Purdue blew them out of the water. We had that one. It's going to be a turnabout's fair play this week. Minnesota, unranked, will take down Purdue on Thursday night. Unranked Minnesota over number 23, Purdue. And then two games on Saturday. Number 17, West Virginia, will be hosting number 9, Oklahoma. West Virginia, we'd like them to win and cover big on Saturday. We see that probably about a one-possession game in favor of West Virginia. So we'll take West Virginia to take down them. But Saturday, we talked about it before. Drake, undefeated on the season. They'll be playing at home against Loyola of Chicago. You remember Loyola of Chicago? You remember? Sister Jean, she's still alive. She's 101 years old. So yes, Loyola of Chicago. You talk about dark horse teams, non-power fives, to make a run in the tournament. A lot of people looking at Houston right now. I'm looking at Houston too, although they lost a game that they really should have won earlier this week. Houston, a team that, you know, you're looking at an Elite Eight contender, but a team like Loyola Chicago, they've got the same coach they had as before. They've got the same sister Jean as they had before. They can make a run in this tournament. They're going to go on the road next Saturday and take down undefeated number 25 Drake. You heard it here first. There's your upset. Our unranked traps this week, unranked Minnesota to take down number 23 Purdue. Number 17 West Virginia to win and cover against number 9 Oklahoma. And our big upset, Loyola Chicago, Sister Jean, say a prayer for her. They're going to go on the road and take down undefeated number 25, Drake. That's your unranked traps for this week. But now, get your pen, get your pad. It's time for our Bracketology 101 class. Last week, if you don't want to go back and listen, we'll just thumbnail it for you. Last week, we told you, hey, if you see a 10, 11, or 12 seed favored out the desert in the first round, pick them against the spread, pick them in your brackets, Because 19 out of 26 times in the last 15 years, a 10, 11, or 12 seed, when they're favored out in the desert, they win the game. And 17 out of those 26, they cover the spread. So it helps you in your brackets at the office pool, and it helps you out in the desert cashing tickets. But when do you take the favorites in this tournament? It can't all be underdogs, can it? It's not all underdogs that win the the NCAA tournament, or else the 16 seeds would go all the way to the Final Four. So when do you take the favorites? There is a time to take the favorites. It's the round of 32, the second round. In the last 15 years, straight up, whoever's favored in the second round, those teams win 75.4% of the time, average margin of victory, 7.2 points. So it's not even close to these games. That's 181 wins, 59 losses. I like my chances. The favorites win straight up 75.4% of the time, and they also cover the spread. In the second round, the round of 32, they cover 54% of the time, the favorites do, 54.2, 128 up, 108 down with four pushes. Average margin against the point spread, 1.11. You may think that's not uh, not very much. Actually, it is. So, yes, there is a time to take the favorites out in the desert. It's the second round, the round of 32. Take them on your brackets. Take them on the desert because those are the times when you can cash tickets and make a little bit of money out in the desert and cash in your bracket pools. And the point being, hey, these big upsets that happen in the first round, they keep going. No, 
Cinderella, the clock strikes midnight for these Cinderella teams rather early. Remember UMBC, the 16 seed, a few years, couple, three years ago now, to take down number one Virginia? What happened to them next round? They got blown out of the water by Kansas State the next round. Uh huh. Cinderella, it doesn't last very long. Take the favorites in the second round. We just gave you the numbers to prove it. Coming up after the break, it's Super Bowl time. Let's do the lines, let's do the props, let's do it all. Coming up next, but first, I am third. Go make sure to check them out. If you have kids who are looking to get into camps, whether it's soccer, basketball, any kind of sporting events, both for the winter and for the spring coming up, make sure to contact my good friend Jeremy Hobbs at I am third. They have everything you need to get your kid ready uh, for their sporting camps and their sporting events coming up in this uh, spring and the rest of this winter. That's Jeremy Hobbs. I am third.org. That's the capital I and then the word am, am, and then the number three rd.org. I am third.org. Tell them the bottom line set you. Super Bowl time after the break. Big bucks, no whammies. Coming up next here on ESPN Radio 1300 and 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor. Let's get to the football. I've been rambling on too long about this college basketball. It's football season today. The Super Bowl. They had the Hall of Fame last night. Peyton Manning got in. Oh, great. Don't get me started on this guy. One of the biggest frauds in the history of humanity. I'm sure sometime this spring or summer I will get into it when I have more time. Yeah, not a big Peyton Manning fan, but he deserves it, obviously. Charles Woodson, yes. Calvin Johnson, uh, I saw him in college at Georgia Tech several times. Surprised he made it in the first time because, well, let's just face it, he only played nine seasons So, although he deserved it, I'm still shocked they gave it to him. Uh, John Lynch, yeah, I guess he deserves it. Played on the right team, I know that. Alan Fanica, that's the thing about offensive linemen. There's no more subjective, depends on who you are, type of Hall of Fame than football. Whereas other than baseball, it's all about your numbers and your stats, basically. And if you just behaved off the field, i.e. Pete Rose and Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds, people like that. So, yes, when you see these Hall of Famers in football, it's very subjective. Although two old guys, Drew Pearson and Tom Flores, they should have been in a long time ago, but I digress. But who cares about that? We care about making money and cashing tickets. Kansas City, three-point favorite, the total 56. Andy Reid, 50% career playoff against the spread, but he's 5-2 and two with Patrick Mahomes as quarterback. Huh, quarterbacks mean something to Andy Reid. I just want the shocker. Bruce Arians of Tampa Bay, he never won a game against the spread in the playoffs until two games ago for Tampa Bay. Now he's won the last two after losing his first five. Tom Brady, if you've bet on him every single playoff game he's ever played, you're still losing money. He's only hit 51.2% of the time in his career. Patrick Mahomes, just like uh, Andy Reid with him, 5-2 and two against the spread. The Bucks. 14-5, and 11-8 on the year against the spread. Back in the Super Bowl. First time since 2002 when the aforementioned John Lynch was there with him. And they have home field advantage. First team to play at home. Chiefs were 16-2 straight up. But against the spread, look at that number, 7-11 against the spread. They're back in the Super Bowl for the second year in a row. And they're looking to become the first back-to-back champions since Tom Brady of the Patriots, 2003-2004. Tom Brady, 10th Super Bowl appearance. Can you believe that? Mahomes is second. Brady 6-3 in these Super Bowls. Mahomes won his only one last year. Tampa has won seven in a row, including their three in the playoffs. Of course, in the wild card round, Tampa beat Washington. Didn't cover the spread. They're huge favorites. 
But then they won two games straight out as an underdog against New Orleans and Green Bay. While Kansas City eked by a first-round game against Cleveland in a game that Cleveland had a chance to win, but uh, were too scared to go for it. And then Kansas City defeated Buffalo handily when they were a three-point favorite. Lined open Kansas City three-and-a-half. We've seen the respected money pounce on the Bucks, getting the hook at three-and-a-half, and that dropped the line immediately to three. The Chiefs are the popular bet by the public right now, almost two-thirds of the tickets. Despite this support, the books have been kind of reluctant to raise the line back to three-and-a-half because they know the Sharps, like me, I'm waiting for this, the Sharps are going to try to get Tampa at three-and-a-half. In other words, the books don't want to give the hook back to the Bucks backers again. But Tampa Bay, historically, they're in a profitable spot here. Playoff underdogs with a line move in their favor, and that line went from three and a half to three. They're four and one against the spread this year, 15 and three against the spread the last four years. Also, the line moves have kind of been very predictive in these Super Bowls. Since 2010, the team receiving the line move in their favor has gone seven and two against the spread, including each of the last three Super Bowls. So the contrarianism, something we like to do on this show, all favors the Bucks. Back in week 12, of course, everybody remembers Kansas City beat Tampa Bay 27-24. But Tampa Bay covered that game, amazingly enough, as a three-and-a-half-point underdog. As far as the total goes, the respected buddy has hit the under. I think we're going to hit the under, two in just a minute. Uh, the total was 57-and-a-half, one of the highest ever for a Super Bowl but the weather might be an issue. The, issue. the line is already down to 56 now. There are some sharp reverse line movement hitting the under big time. Although all the squares that go out to the desert for this, they all love to see the favorite in the over. There's always value on the dog and the under in games like this. Make sure to check the wind today. Any kind of winds over 10 miles an hour. Always love to take the unders in this spot. As we said earlier, most of the tickets are on Kansas City. Most of the money is on Kansas City. In the last 30 years, if you had simply faded the public, taken whoever the public did not have a majority of the money on, you would have gone 28-2 and two against the spread. That's as good as it gets. The only outliers being the Patriots a few years ago against the Seahawks and the Chargers against the 49ers way back about 25 years ago. If you're looking to take Kansas City, if you're ignoring what we're saying, if you're wanting to take Kansas City, you might want to look at taking them in the first half or the first quarter. Why? Tom Brady and nine Super Bowls in the first quarter has scored a total of three points. That's three points in nine games in the first quarter. So if you like Kansas City, and if you want to take them, you might want to take them early. And you might want to take them first half, first quarter, because Tom Brady does not get off to good starts in the Super Bowl. Now, is that him or is that Belichick? We're going to find out today. But we're going to take Tampa Bay. Getting three. Maybe you'll get the three and a half by game time. But let's just settle on three. We'll take Tampa Bay getting the three. We will go under the 56. Maybe a little wind. Maybe a little defense down there. We said this last week. We'll say it this week. Tampa Bay getting the points. And under the total... That's how we are going to go in this uh, in the Super Bowl today. And, of course, as always, may the winners be yours. A few props we're looking at. Well, I a lot of people like to play the national anthem and the coin flip. Here's a good story I heard this week. 
one sports book had a guy walk up and put a thousand dollars on uh, heads, the coin flip being heads out in the desert. He walks away with his thousand dollar ticket. He comes back another hour or so later, and he puts two thousand on tails. Apparently, he got some insider information on how the coin flip would go, and he changed his mind, so he doubled down on the other side, tails instead of heads. That's what I call flawed logic, ladies and gentlemen. If that's what you're building your financial future on, God bless you. We're going to go in a different direction. I got burned off these props a couple years ago. I had this insider information down in Atlanta. I had some connections down in Atlanta. And a guy was in the dome when Gladys Knight was practicing the national anthem. He goes, hey, Brett, take the under in the national anthem. I watched Gladys Knight do it practice twice. She's going to do it in under a minute 50, I promise. And, well, there's a few websites out there in faraway places that will offer that. One website uh, actually graded both of those, the over and the under, as a loss because Gladys Knight that year said brave twice. So buyer beware when you're doing these props, depending on where you're doing your shopping at, so to speak. Yeah, because uh, there's a one website out there. You can Google this one. They grade, No matter how you put your money down, on uh, the, the anthem a few years ago with Gladys Knight, you lost either way because there was so much controversy. So whoever you picked, you lost. How convenient of the uh, people to grade it like that. But some of the props that we like today, Ronald Jones, under 6.5 receiving yards for Tampa in two playoff games. He has zero receptions. We like that to continue. Another Tampa guy, Leonard Fournette, under 48.5 rushing yards. He's had three playoff games in a row over 50 but the Bucks were in control of those games. Doesn't figure to be the same way today. And Fournette didn't break 50 yards the last seven games he played during the regular season. We'll take Fournette under 48.5. Byron Pringle of Kansas City, under 7.5 receiving yards. The only double-digit receiving game he had this year, he had four of them this year out of 16. He only broke the 7.5 number four times, although he broke it in one playoff game. We'll go under on Byron Pringle. Daryl Williams, the running back for Kansas City, under 32.5 rushing yards. Uh, He only topped 33 yards twice during the regular season. And maybe our favorite one, our favorite prop during the game today, Travis Kelsey, the all-pro, all-world tight end for Kansas City, 8.5 receptions. We'll go under 8.5. That's a lot of receptions, 8.5, first of all. Only two times all season did Kelsey get nine or more receptions. Also, Tampa Bay knows Kelsey is the man for Mahomes. Tampa Bay is going to make sure Travis Kelsey doesn't light them up. Now, if you're looking at who's to score the first touchdown, Travis Kelsey might be the best player on the board to take. But in terms of getting nine or more catches, yeah, I'll take my chance that he does not get nine or more catches. That's my favorite one. Travis Kelsey under the eight and a half receptions. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Those are the bottom line angles and props for the game. We like Tampa getting those points. We like the total to go under. Ronald Jones, under 6.5 receiving yards. Leonard Fournette, under 48.5 rushing. Byron Pringle, under 7.5 receiving. Daryl Williams, under 32.5 rushing. And Travis Kelsey, our favorite prop, under 8.5 receptions. You can take those bad boys to the desert and smoke them. Good luck if you're uh, picking the coin toss or the length of the National Anthem. I heard uh, one of my insiders said it was going to be under two minutes. That means nothing. I'm not on it. Good luck to you if you're on it. Coming up after the break, we'll get you ready for the rest of the day on ESPN Radio. Maybe have a few quick hitters and get you ready for the Angelo Show at the top of the hour. But first, man, it was cold this morning. 
But my heat was just making me feel good. I had to turn the heat off on the way over here in the middle of a blizzard, 20 degrees, because I got my heat fixed at Clark's Auto Service. Bill Clark, Ethan Hall, the good folks out there, make sure to check them out. ClarksAutoLexington.com. They fix the heaters in my cars. They can do it for you and make it feel like you're laughing at the cold every morning. ClarksAutoLexington.com. We'll get you ready for the day on ESPN Radio after the break and the Super Bowl here on ESPN Radio 1300 and 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. I rambled on too long about silliness today. I apologize. Uh, Make sure to stay with us on ESPN Radio today at 2 o'clock, the Super Bowl pregame show. 6.30, Super Bowl 55 right here on ESPN Radio. So if you can't get to a television or if you can, just turn down the volume and just listen here on ESPN Radio uh, we were going to talk about a couple of quick hitters for the Reds. Trevor Bauer is now with the Dodgers. Yeah, what a shocker. He left for $102 million over three years. Yeah, he's going to have to win three Cy Youngs to be worth that. And the Cardinals basically made uh, themselves the favorites of the division by trading for Nolan Arenado. Uh, is this make them a lock? I don't think Arenado is going to translate to, from mile-high cores to uh, St. Louis that well. We'll see coming up on the season. Of course, we're the voice of the Reds. And make sure, uh, don't forget, we'll have our Bracketology Spectacular. John Clay, the Herald Leader, will join me Tuesday, March 16th, to pick the brackets. Make sure to tune into that. Coming up at the top of the hour will be the Angelo Show. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we appreciate your listenership. We've been getting a lot of good feedback, especially this week. Thank you so much uh, in advance. We're very appreciative. May, remember to follow us on Twitter at BottomLineLex. Email anytime, BottomLineLex at gmail.com. And as always, until the next time, may the winners be yours.